Good morning. This is the Friday Grief Chat with Jill and Deb, except not Deb, because we practice what we preach, or at least she does a lot more than I do in terms of doing self-care. And so she is off doing self-care today after having a lot of different stressors in her life. And I hope that she and her hubby are having a great time out exploring um, the woods, because when you live in Illinois, you apparently get to see green and streams and things that here in Southern California, we get to see some of the year if we drive to it. Northern Californians have a different world. Central Californians have a different world. But here in Southern California, we don't have a whole lot of green right now. Uh, we have red that drops from the um, fabulous people from Cal Fire and the federal government who fight our wildfires. And fortunately, right now here in SoCal, we don't have any Northern California. I know you do. And please know that those of us in the South are thinking of you. We remember the, the tragedies that have happened up there really recently. Let me go and turn off my phone so that we aren't disturbed. There we go. So today, since it's just me, um, I hope, first of all, that you are going to um, join me and send some comments in onto the page for Facebook for Humor, Grace, and Grief and send some ideas. But I have some ideas of my own. First today, um, Florida. I am an honorary Floridian. I grew up spending every summer there. I Not on the beach. I was in Lake Wales, which is a little teeny tiny town in central Florida. And I got my degree from the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. So I do consider Florida to be my second home. And I just can't imagine the magnitude of everything the people um, in that area are dealing with right now with the collapse of the condo and now the need to knock down the rest of the condo building and the pets that are still in there and the families of nearly 140 people or more who don't have answers and are hearing um, terrible news as time goes by and are fully aware that there is a hurricane who somebody stupidly named Elsa. All right, come on, guys. Hurricane Center people, whoever makes up this list, who decided Elsa was a good idea? Did you think the Queen of Ice was not going to turn into the Queen of Hurricanes? Are you serious? So now those folks in Florida are dealing with a hurricane bearing down on them, and that will definitely flood the site where they're in. So my thoughts are with you. I know the thoughts of the rest of the country are with you. For those of you who know somebody who's being impacted there, they don't need advice. They don't need shoulds, coulds, woulds. They don't need suggestions for how somebody should have seen this was coming or why their loved one was allowed to live there at a senior age by themselves. They don't need to hear all the things about what they could have done to stop it or what do you think their last moments were like? Seriously, who wants to think about that? It's not helping them. They're at a center with a bunch of other families who are having some of the same things and they're being bombarded. I don't know a single person there and I know they're being bombarded because that's what people do. When tragedy strikes and especially when it involves death, all the woulda, coulda, shoulda folks come out 
because we don't know what to say. There, there are no rule books for what to say when somebody's loved one is in a condo that collapses and they haven't been located. And we're hearing things about um, parts of people, not whole people being found. They don't need to hear anything other than I'm here for you. When you are settled, I would like to come and, you know, take you for a bit and let you have a break. Um, let me send a pile of pizzas to the family reception center and let everyone know it's from a friend of yours. Let me send a pile of pizzas to the rescue team or, you know, uh, if you really have something, a caterer or somebody to do something nice for those people working 12 hour shifts or even just 100 cases of water. Because I got to tell you, Florida in the summertime, much as I love Florida, Florida in the summertime is beastly hot and muggy, and it just feels like the air is closing in on you. And if you've not seen the people working on that pile, they are wearing heavy duty gear to protect themselves. But that heavy duty gear is hot as blazes. I know this because I have a spouse who's on a national disaster team, not that one, but the uniforms that they use are very heavy. Just picking up a shirt a long sleeve shirt, which they actually call a jacket, is super, super heavy, heavier than anything I would voluntarily wear for anything. So they're hot, it's steamy, they've got thunderstorms, they've got lightning, they've got families they're feeling pressure to take care of because who wouldn't want to give answers to those family members? They've got TV cameras blazing around them, they've got people with drones, you just know the drones are out. Those folks are under a lot of pressure in addition to the pressure dome of the heat in Florida. Do something nice for those people. Do something nice for the folks who are at the coroner's office because they're facing some untenable stuff that nobody should have to. And they also have families waiting for them and they're guiding families through identification process. And that really is hard to do. They do it professionally, they do it lovingly, but it's hard to do because all these people just went to bed. Nobody was supposed to die that night. So do something good. If, if you're concerned about the animals, send some extra food to your local animal shelter. They're gonna need it, it's 4th of July. And I don't know about you, but we've got all the firework dudes out here. I, I'm relatively sure it's pretty much dudes. And they're setting them off night and day, at least here in our town and at night especially. And my poor Fred, who normally is hanging out next to me right now and would love to be on my lap right now, he's hiding under the bed because somebody set off a giant firework at seven o'clock this morning and he thinks the world is falling and he doesn't know what to do. So 4th of July morning, we're medicating him so that he can sleep through the 4th of July, which is happy Independence Day, huh? So do something kind for the folks who are at those centers. Do something kind for the family members you know who have chosen not to go to Florida for whatever reason. There's not a lot of space. There's no place to stay. Most places are sold out because it's holiday weekend. They clearly can't go stay with the family members who had the condos, right? Even if they're in the condos that didn't collapse, it's not safe there. And we still have COVID and variants and all the, all the stuff that has made the last 18 months just really hard for everybody. So let's reach out with kindness, send some notes, 
And if you know folks who are local to you or even in other parts of the country who are waiting on news from Florida, send them a note, send them whatever you know will make them smile or laugh. Um, even if it's just a funky picture of you with a clown nose on that says, I'm thinking about you and this is the best I could think of to do to bring a smile to your face for two seconds today. Because I know mostly you're sad. Something along those lines. Let's protect and support and be good to the people who are having the, the moments right now. And every time you turn on the news, what's on there, right? Okay, COVID vaccine count, yay. And um, Florida and more Florida, and now Florida, and hurricane, because, yeah, so do the things that you can do for the folks that you can reach. If you don't know anybody and you're feeling helpless, do something kind for someone who does that kind of work, or a group that does that kind of work. Send a thank you note to the rescue teams in Florida so they can post it. I don't know if you saw that during the fires in Northern California last year, in Oregon, um, a child was out shopping with his grandmother and they were buying snacks and water and things for the firefighting crews, um, which is awesome. We should all do that if we have rescue crews anywhere in our areas. And he didn't know what to get them, but he saw a baby Yoda, a stuffed baby Yoda, right? About that big. And she said, that's what the firefighters need. He told his grandma, that's what they need. They need Yoda. And I think if I were a firefighter, I'd want Yoda too. And that Yoda got passed around from crew to crew to crew. They were pictures of Yoda in backpacks along with other firefighters. Yoda being passed from one crew to the next. Yoda showing up in another state because a crew got relocated. It doesn't have to be something serious. It can be just something that says, I'm thinking about you. Which is what we need to do for everybody when they're facing tragedy whether they work the tragedies or they are the survivors of the tragedies because they're all in it together. And the crews that work the tragedies, they really are hit hard by them. They're not hardened and, and tough as steel, even though they look that way. Trust me, they're not. When COVID is not around, I do speaking gigs for the funeral industry and um, I've done them in California, Texas, and a few other places. And I try to put a little bit of mental health in there. Every time I couch a speaking engagement in terms of helping them help their clients. But I try to put a little bit of how do I help you? How do I get you folks to see that you do a really hard job? And we know for you it's a calling. And we know for you that when you are caring for the grieving, you are doing that because that's something you choose to do because you see yourself as holding people up and receiving them at the hardest moments in their lives. And you do, you really do. You get a bad rap, but you, you support people when they walk in and they say, my family was in the condo. They just found some of them. I need to make arrangements. I don't know what to do. There are funeral directors in Florida who are just scooping those people up and holding them tight and trying to make things at least the saying goodbye as good as it can be given the situation. And they go out of their way by and large, almost all of them, they really do. So I did a gig in Texas last year, right before COVID closed everything down. I mean, right before I got on a plane in California one day 
and they had warning signs up about, I think it was Venezuela and it was political. It was federal government saying, be careful, don't go to these countries, you know, take care of yourself, tell your family, check in with the embassy. Those were all over the airport in both California and Texas. The next day, maybe 32 hours later, I was getting back on a plane in Texas and every sign up said, there's this thing called COVID, wash your hands, don't cough. If you've got a fever, get out, don't get on the plane. It was before anybody said masks even. It was just be careful, be careful, be careful. And when someone coughed, you could tell we were just all adapting because half the people would kind of, ooh, or do this. And other people would be like, yeah, no big deal. It's, it's just a virus. But in that time period, I spoke to a group of funeral directors and churches and whatnot about um, grief and about how to do grief without doing it forever and how to be solution focused about it and support people and not say all the stupid things people say. And afterward, a man who'd been a funeral director for close to 40 years sat down in the back of the chapel with me and asked a couple of other young funeral directors and some other people to pull up a chair. And he said, you know, I really think we need to do something for the PTSD that we all have that none of us will talk about because funeral directors don't talk about the stuff that they see and the experiences they have. He was also on the National Disaster Mortuary Team. He wasn't actively, but he had been. And in Texas and some areas, and in other areas of the country still, sometimes it's not the coroner that gets called out to accident scenes. It's actually the funeral home that gets called out. So they see some really horrific things and they put things back together so the family doesn't have that as their last image. And they can't share the image with the family or with anybody outside the industry because nobody else wants to hear it and it traumatizes them and they know it. And I said, you know, I've, I've heard enough. It's okay to talk about it. And he talked about some of the things he'd seen. I'm not going to talk about them here because I don't want to traumatize all of you watching. But he said, we need to talk about it. We need to acknowledge this hurts and it's hard and it leaves us with some scars. And then we just see the next one and we close it up and we go to the next one and we close it up. And then when bad things, really bad things happen, we're there to support the families, but the families only know that their experience is this is awful and I want answers and you're stopping me from getting answers. And so the families go on the attack and it's not because they're mean, it's human nature. I need to know my loved one is in that pile. Why aren't you doing all the things that in my wildest imagination as I slept last night for a few hours, I thought about where somebody might be or how it might be possible to get to them without knocking down the pile, even though I'm not an engineer, right? Or if there's been a hurricane, I know that you haven't been to this place to search. Why haven't you? Well, because it's dangerous. I know, but they might be alive. You need to go even though it's dangerous, right? Because it's my family member and I'm not thinking about everybody else and I'm not criticizing family members right now. I can't imagine being in that space. But he said, we need to talk about it. We need to let people know in our, in our funeral director and embalmer community that it's okay to talk about what we've seen. We should have some kind of online support group or something. And 
We need to, to find a way to get support in. But our, our profession, by and large, doesn't allow it any more than most first responders do. Right? They are they're very careful to keep it locked in, just like ICU nurses and COVID doctors and every kind of community of, of people who do a profession, make their own community, have their own sense of humor, have their own communication, have their own experiences, and they don't share it because we don't want to traumatize people who are not part of it. And we people who are not part of it say, no, no, I can handle it. And you give them just a tiny bit. They're like, yeah, no. Mm -mm. That happened when I worked for CPS. That happened when I worked for hospice. That happened for my first wife when she talked about ER moments and jail moments as a nurse. We think we want to know, but we don't really want to know because it feeds into reality as opposed to what our TV shows show us, right? So I know I'm rambling, but I wanted to say we need to make sure that we are supporting those folks and giving them space. We're supporting those people out on the pile. We're supporting the families. And when any tragedy happens, we're supporting the people who are involved at all stages. From that first paramedic who arrived in Florida and was trying to explain what he was seeing. And, you know, the dispatcher had no idea because condos don't fall down, right? 12 stories don't fall to the ground and turn into a pile of rubble. Same goes for all the other kinds of tragedies. There are no words to describe it. Brittany Nicole says, it's so hard for CPS workers and also the attorneys to read the cases and see kids in day in and day out. Absolutely. Child Protective Services is one of my true loves. That and hospice, those are the places that I put most of my career into and I continue to tie into as a um, clinician in private practice and as a speaker and educator. And some of those case files, really, they're, they're traumatic just to read, much less to then look at the little person who this is about or the parent who is being described as having done these things or allowed these things to happen, even as a non-protective parent. It's hard to see that stuff. Um, I have a, a very dear friend who was the person who got put out a lot of times to the really um, most horrific experiences and incidents because even CPS workers couldn't tolerate some of what some of us saw. And Nicole, you know who you are and I give you all the kudos for a lot of the places you went out to and all you ER workers and CPS because you do go out to places and you can't talk about it. And then the newspapers get hold of it and sometimes when family members don't like outcomes and court decisions, they go after the people who were the responders who were there to protect children and to report on what they saw so that this will hopefully never happen again to this child and maybe be a learning experience so it doesn't happen to other children as well, right? And then the attorneys are secondary trauma because they're not part of any of the investigation. They just get a, a dry file. Here's what's going on. You got 15 minutes to read it, go to court. And that's a lot to absorb. And then you go into the children's playroom where they're waiting for court and they want to talk to their little bitty clients. And they look at this child in, you know, their little watermelon dress and looking so cute. And it's hard to fathom that three weeks ago they were in this other situation. 
So yes, there's there's a whole piece of supporting those people who do trauma all the time, right? We have lots of professions where there is trauma 24-7 or fear of trauma 24-7. And those folks need support too. And they need to be given that space. And when you see that CPS has been called out and you know someone who works for CPS and you don't like what you think you are seeing in the paper, instead of why would this happen? Why? How about it must be really tough to work on cases like that. I wouldn't even know where to start. I, how do I support you? How do I offer you the best support I can? Right? Hi, Mary. And it's just me today, Mary. So I hope you're okay with that. It's nice to see you. And Brittany, Nicole, you're right. It's all tough to talk about when children are having to be removed. I had one day where I got sent out to remove kids on a case that wasn't mine because the two social workers who had the case didn't have it in their hearts to go out and do it, even though it was necessary. And so I got sent and I grabbed a couple of other people and we went. No social worker on the planet wants to remove children. You know, it's it's not something anybody wants to do. And funeral directors don't want to see tragedy, but they want to support the families in making it better. And our first responders out on that pile are there because they want to serve and they want to help and they have the skills and damn it, they're brave enough too. because I'm the first one to tell you, I wouldn't be out there. I, I would be terrified of it coming down. I'm, I'm not that kind of brave. I can walk you into grief and companion you and talk about all the things. I'm not going to be in that pile. I'm not going to be out on the firefighting front. My cousin Kelly did for many years, kudos to him, but that wouldn't have been me facing down forest fires. That that's, I can't even watch a scary movie. Ask my wife when we're watching something that's got even a little bit, just a tiny bit of drama or, oh my gosh, what's coming or the, the Jaws music. I suddenly have a need to wash dishes or run laundry or sweep outside or look up what's coming so I know what's happening. And you can't do that when you're facing tragedy at the very front. You don't get to look ahead and see what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen to you. So I want us today, given that we have this ongoing tragedy going on in Florida, and that we have the 4th of July coming, which always brings some kind of tragedy in most communities because somebody gets stupid with fireworks that don't belong in their hands, but can take their hands off or cause a dog to run away. Um, the shelters are full. If you want to adopt, go adopt today because they need space for all the dogs who are going to run away from fireworks. Seriously, they put out a call this week. If you want to adopt someone, go to the shelter today or tomorrow. They need to get the pups out so that there's space for the new pups. Cats and kittens too, but dogs especially. They need a home, right? Fireworks are scary. Fireworks cause accidents. Fireworks, we had somebody throwing fireworks on a freeway in LA last night, right? So people couldn't even get home. So we have a weekend that's coming that should be celebratory, but in a lot of places, it's going to be difficult too. We hunker down at our house every 4th of July because our oodles do not like fireworks and Fred especially doesn't like fireworks. Even the deaf ones don't like fireworks. I think they can feel the, the sonic booms that occur, but they don't even like the fireworks. So 
It's going to be a, a, a long weekend. It's going to be a hot weekend here. It's going to be a wet weekend in other places where everyone's locked in. So lots of people are going to be stuck inside. And in Canada and in northern in the northern Pacific Northwest, you folks are still recovering from all that heat and um, lots and lots of losses as a result of it. And Canada lost the town that was in the midst of the worst of the heat to a fire in the middle of all that. So we've got, we have lots of people who need our support and we don't have to get down in the muck and feel sad all the time about it. That's not why we do humor, grace and grief because we also need to remember the good that happens, the see the support that happens, help the people who've had losses, remember the, the smiles that their loved ones had and the happy moments that happened in that town whose name I can't, it Leffy, who, you know, that there are some wonderful memories there. You know, what was that town like? Write them down now before you forget. Write down the names of your neighbors so that you'll always have them there and you can reconnect at some point so that you can make yourself a community of those who maybe used to live there but aren't going to anymore. Make sure that you are not sitting in the darkness of it. Find the bright, not artificially, not at all. As a therapist, I don't tell people to think happy thoughts. I would never do that. I wouldn't want anyone telling me that. And I have, trust me. I've had people tell me that. And I've gone, seriously? Did you just say that to me? Yeah, no, don't do that. But do, do find ways to bring in who they were and what that place was and what those experiences were they can bring in some of the joy of that life so they can remember that juxtaposed to what they're coping with right now. That actually is what, if you think about it, celebrants do before they plan a funeral with you. Tell me about the things that made them smile and laugh. Tell me your happiest memories. They're not doing that so that you're not remembering the sadness and that there's death, but they do want to bring those things in because they belong there. I was sitting Shiva with um, one of my girlfriends and her family and the rabbi who's our local rabbi, Rabbi Singer, who I dearly love, um, was there. And she said, you know, the reason that we sit Shiva, and I'm paraphrasing, she's much more eloquent than I am. Um, the reason we sit Shiva is because we do have to remember that there's been a death and that there's loss and there's sadness right now. And we want to be able to share and support in that. And we don't want to make light of it. But it's okay to remember the person who died for who they were and all the happiness they brought into our lives and the joy and the special moments. That's important. We want to do that too. We just want to sit Shiva so that we can also support the family because they deserve to have the sadness now because someone's been taken from them. It's a, a fabulous um belief and system and mourning process. And it's something we can all borrow from without calling it sitting Shiva. We can call it sitting in a circle with a family that's at a loss. That's okay too. But it's possible to juxtapose the two. And it's possible as people are eventually coming out of it to help them remember the good along with acknowledging the tragedy. When my um, beloved maternal grandfather died, he was, um, he was a character. My grandpa, Elmer. Yeah, Elmer. No kidding. 
uh, first name was John, but he liked Elmer and it fit him. And he was an old time Lutheran minister. And when we were children and we visited them in Iowa, we had to change in the back of our unair conditioned camper into dresses with crinolines. So we weren't seen in shorts in my grandfather's house because that wasn't acceptable for little girls. And there were no cards and there was no TV. And when they moved out to California with us, at one point they were left, we were left with them for a long week while my parents went away to Hawaii many, many years ago. And we ran away to our next door neighbors to go to the movies because movies were bad too. So you get the idea. He'd been pretty strict. And then in his senior years, he so lightened up. And we used to help him run away from my grandmother to go buy him pancakes with whipped cream and strawberries because he was diabetic and she wouldn't allow him to have it because she was an old time nurse and she lived by the book. She didn't buy cottage cheese. She bought farmer's cheese, which is like cottage cheese with no fluid. I do not recommend it. I can't even eat cheese curds because it's just too close to what that experience was like. And he died. He, um, he had a heart attack and he was gone. And we did the funeral and we did all the, the taking care of my grandmother. And then about a month later, my, my grandparents had lived in a senior housing community for low-income seniors. It was, it was beautiful. It was delightful. It's what everyone should have. Everyone had a one-bedroom unit. They were around circles of grass and they had little courtyards that were about as big as a minute. And there were a bunch of these little yards that people lived around. So each group had their own little community and then they were communities a whole. And um, so we, my mom said, we got to do something. We got to get grandma back out. She can't just sit there. So we went out and bought some cakes and some pastries and some sandwiches and made some lemonade and took a table outside on her little patio and took invitations around to each of the, I think the first four or five circle groups and said, please come meet Lily. It's been a month since she lost Elmer. Come and say hello. It was genius. It reintroduced the community to Lily as Lily, not Lily as Elmer's widow. And it let Lily tell stories about Elmer and to remember the fun and still to have everyone there give their condolences and to let her meet the other widows and connect with them. Widows should always do that. The widows clubs are a strong people, group of people. So it broke all the widow rules. That's where I became the rebellious widow too. It allows people after a sadness to reconnect and still remember the good and the fun and the love while also coping with the loss or the tragedy. So I know that wasn't our typical week or Friday today. I hope it reached some hearts. I hope it, it will help you reach out to people when that time comes, whether it's now or years from now, to remember that even folks who are in a tragedy, they need to see a face that's got a smile, not the face that people see in grief. Oh, don't do that to them. I am so glad I get to be here with you. His memory is so strong. The love she had for you was so incredible. May I hug you and just hold on to you and be there for you right now. Can I just do that and, and tell you that my favorite memory is, right? Let's remember them and hold on to each other and let's partner together. In therapy world, we call it companioning um, in some circles. And let's do that together and hold on to each other. Thanks, Marnie. Thanks, Cindy. And let's hold people up. 
and give them the smiles that they need so that we can make their brains feel a little bit brighter, a little bit happier. I will be back. Thanks, Brittany. I'll be back next week. Everybody survive the fourth. Put your pets inside. Lock the doors. Give them something to keep them calm. Make sure you have a little something fun to eat. Do not barbecue if you are in a no-fire zone. Watch the air quality if you have asthma. Hello, that's me. And um, do what we can for all those people who are out, that on, out there on that pile and who are going to be out fighting all the fires that all the people start this weekend. They deserve to be supported, especially this weekend, but always. Thanks, everybody. I will see you next week. Deb should be back next week. Bye.